All houses where men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Sitting on a picturesque hillside in Paintsville, Kentucky, was a house that many would find charming with its wide wooden porch complete with those dreamy white columns you envision when someone mentions a southern homestead. The orchards creeping up the hillside bring with it the scent of sugary blossoms in the spring and cozy, delicious smell of apples and pears in the fall. While it's no mansion, the house appears regal in its station on the top of the hill and looking down into the valley of homes that continued up the holler. For many, it's the American dream to own a home like this one, with land for little ones to explore and grow on. The barn, tucked neatly into the side of the hill, is perfect for livestock and storing the bounty that the mountains have to offer. Yes, for many, this house would be a dream, a haven to hold and protect a family. But for me, the house holds no warmth or comfort. It is a place full of whispers and secrets, where howling vestiges lurk in the corners of every room. This house, with its sweeping beauty, does not invoke feelings of comfort or warmth in my heart. Instead, it causes my pulse to quicken and nightmares of days gone by to dance in my dreams and remind me that our world is filled with things that cannot be explained. Welcome to Season 2 of This House is Haunted Podcast. If you're new around here, welcome to my nightmare. In the episodes to come, I'll continue telling my story spending two and a half years living in a haunted house in southeastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. After returning from my visit with Mamaw, things were mostly quiet around the house. On our car ride home, I'd rehearsed what I would say when the whispers inevitably began again. About how it was my house, and I wasn't scared of it anymore. That I knew that only a bully would pick on a little kid. I'd been able to rest peacefully at Mamaw's, and quality sleep is a powerful restorative. The chaos of my mind had slowed, and I was able to think through everything that had happened since moving into the house. Many times... I was preyed upon at night, when my parents were away and my sister was sleeping, aside from the thing in the barn. I shuddered at the memory of the grotesque, contorted shadow hovering like a snake ready to strike. Most of the time, any event was preceded by a sound of some kind, so I rationalized that wearing the Walkman at night might be a way to escape hearing anything. My brother was completely oblivious. But short of the specters enlisting the help of Motley Crue to garner his attention, I reckon he'd stay that way. My sister was the only one who'd experienced anything besides me, having heard the voices of the children in the orchard in our first days there. She'd also been the one pushed in Wayne, into Wayne's stereo, which had warranted a midnight run to the emergency room. Yes, whatever was in the house... It seemed to revel in isolating me from my family, 
I thought of the foxes that had infiltrated our hen house and remembered Daddy saying that they usually had a hen picked before they even went into the house, and that made it easier for them to do what they needed to fill up their bellies. With the house, I, unfortunately, was the hen providing the fear and terror needed to fill up whatever was haunting this space's belly. I repeated the word bottom feeder many times before stepping foot into the covered carport. Bully. Bottom feeder. Bully. Bottom feeder. Each time I repeated it, I felt a little stronger. When I walked through the front door, I half expected a screaming specter to assault me head on from not cowering in terror after returning to my nightmare. But nothing happened. Wayne and Daddy were in the living room watching a movie that had three explosions by the time we made the short walk from the kitchen to where they were sitting. Well, don't you look fresh as a daisy, Daddy said, smiling. It took me a few seconds to realize he was talking to me since I'd been surveying the room for any would-be ghouls. Before I could say anything, Mama replied, She should. She slept most of the time we were there. I was worried she might be sick, but she never got a fever and kept a great appetite thanks to Mom spooling them rotten from the garden. Here, Mom pulled out a Tupperware container from one of her bags. We also made a stack cake, and she made sure I brought it home to you fellas to enjoy too. This was the fastest I had seen Wayne move since we had arrived in Kentucky. Mamaw's apple stack cake was, and still is, his favorite dessert of all time. And he was beelining to the kitchen to cut up a slice before Daddy could even stand to give Mama a hug and help her with her bags. That boy is too much, Daddy said, his voice tinged with laughter. You better be cutting me a slice off too, Wayne. As they continued to banter about the likelihood of the cake surviving the night, I made my way back to the bedroom I shared with my sister. It was dark and I felt a sense of foreboding, but I forced myself to reach my hand in and flip on the light switch. I braced myself for something, but all remained quiet. As I poured my items from my bag onto the bed, Molly came bounding into the room, her right cheek smeared with the legendary spiced apples Mamma made from her stack cake. She must have snuck a bite as well before coming on back. Oh, she said. It's a lot colder in here than that living room, and definitely colder than Mamaw's. She was right. It was colder in our room than the rest of the house. In my anticipation, I had failed to notice the temperature fluctuation. I quickly surveyed the room, ready to pull her out quickly if I observed a threat. But yet again, nothing happened. Instead of making me feel better, this amplified my anxiety of being back in the house. Things felt off, but nothing was happening. Was it just me? Were my nerves getting the better of me? Bottom feeder, I whispered under my breath. Molly cocked her head to one side and said, Would you call me? I didn't call you nothing. We can't forget to feed the chickens before it gets dark. Oh, well, yeah, we aren't allowed outside after it gets dark, silly. I nodded and continued unpacking, my skin feeling alive with anticipation, waiting for something that never came that night. Time moved forward and summer was slowly fading into fall. 
School would be starting back soon, and we'd done all the customary schoolish shopping, as well as splurging on a pair of pink and white L.A. gears that I was giddy to show off at school. The house had been quiet for nearly a month, and I was feeling confident that my newfound resolve had made haunting me a less appetizing meal. I'd been sleeping with the headphones on each night, the sounds of the radio lulling me to sleep and keeping any would-be whispers at bay. I had not dreamed since coming back. No shadows were lurking in the dark corners of the hallways and life seemed normal for the first time since we'd moved to Kentucky. I still avoided the barn and the smokehouse, but was feeling less of an urge to constantly look over my shoulder. I'd felt comfortable enough that Molly and I had resumed playing hide-and-seek, a game we had played daily when we lived in Indiana. The thought of seeking out the dark corners of the house to find her would have been impossible prior to my visit with Mamma. But with the quiet and calm, a sense of peace settled over my heart, and I allowed myself to just be a kid who wanted to play with her little sister. All right, now it's your turn to find me, Molly said breathlessly. Her cheeks flushed from running towards me after finding me hiding behind Wayne's bedroom door. He was gone to Billy Bob's house once again, so he wasn't there to tell us to keep out, which meant that was exactly where we wanted to be. Fine, but remember, you have to stay inside the house. No hiding on the other side of the front door again, because that's cheating. I said, my eyebrows raising as if to indicate that funny business would not be tolerated. Molly shrugged. Well, technically, the porch is part of the house, so I don't see why it didn't count. I put my hand on my hip, something I'd seen Mama do hundreds of times when she was fed up with our back dock, and said, If you wouldn't sleep there at night, it don't count. Well, I ain't going to sleep under the kitchen table neither, but you hid there a little while ago. Feeling as if my eyes might roll out of my head from exasperation, I said, Well, okay then. It's going to be inside the walls of the house, Smarty Bridges. Fine, she mumbled. Now cover your eyes real tight. No peeking. I'll know if you're peeking. And with that, I felt a breeze as she walked past and began counting to 30. As I counted... I could hear the sound of rain hitting the tin roof and trailing down the windows. It had been raining all day, so we'd resorted to all manner of indoor games to pass the time while Mama napped in the bedroom. Daddy had gone to visit some family in Prestonsburg, so it was just the two of us and Mama in the house. The house had no central air conditioning, so Mama had the windows lifted to allow the breeze from the outside to stir through the house. I loved the sound of the rain and felt myself begin to feel drowsy. Maybe I could convince Molly to watch a movie after this round. We hadn't watched American Tale in a long time, and with Daddy coming home soon, he'd be sure to join us as that was one of his favorite movies as well. With the visions of a cozy night on the couch, I finished counting and set to looking for Molly. The house was much darker with the storm overhead, and I felt the first pangs of fear stirring in my breast. The weather had been clear since coming back from Mamaw's with very little rain, so I hadn't been faced with navigating the house alone in the rain since things had settled. I listened intently, but heard nothing save for the storm outside. Bully. Bottom feeder. Bully, I thought to myself, the words ringing as a mantra, 
as if the words themselves were the source of my newfound strength. No, I was playing a game with my sister. We were having fun. No sense in spooking myself when things have been fine for so long now. I shook my head, took a deep breath, and called out, Here I come! Sometimes Molly would let out a giggle from the excitement of the chase beginning, but I heard nothing echo back to me. She was getting better at hiding. I checked the kitchen first and then the dining room, but didn't see her. I walked into the playroom that was empty save for the school desk and chalkboard, and knowing she couldn't hide behind either, continued walking. No sense in testing the fates. Once I hit the hallway that connected Wayne's room, our room, and Mama and Daddy's room, I heard what sounded like a tiny giggle come from the direction of our room. <laughs> Smiling, I thought, Molly, having heard me get closer, had been unable to hold back her nervous laughter. I beelined to the door, confident that we would be curled up on the couch soon, and stepped into the shared bedroom. I flipped on the light, didn't see anything immediately. Under the bed was my bed. As I walked toward it, I heard another tiny giggle come from the direction of the closet. <laughs> hmm. She hadn't hidden in the closet since we moved to the house. I took a step closer and felt goosebumps raise across both of my arms. I stopped and looked around the room, suddenly fearful that something wasn't right. The room was still warm. I saw nothing, and the giggle had disappeared as soon as it had started. Bully bottom feeder. No, if this was the thing in the shadows, I felt like it would have made a move by now. I had been walking through the house alone for a few minutes and nothing had happened. This had to be Molly doing her customary excited giggle when she was about to be found. But as I stepped closer to the closet, I felt the overwhelming urge to run and get Mama. She was sleeping. She had been with Mama all weekend and said it had been a rough one. I didn't want to wake her up to help me with hide-and-seek. Even thinking it made me feel silly. We were playing a game, nothing more. The house had been quiet. Things were fine. I took a deep breath and called to Molly. You might as well come on out. I know you're in the closet, goofball. I could hear you laughing plumb out in the hallway. I listened for another giggle to confirm I was correct, but none came. Oh, I see. Going to make me walk all the way in there, are you? If you do, I get to pick the movies for the next week. My voice was wavering a bit, and the strength I'd been feeling began to wane as I got closer to the closet. It was just another room in the house. It just held our clothes and other junk. It would be fine. I would find her hidden behind our winter coats, we would have a good laugh, and then we'd move on with our evening. Bottom feeder bully. I reached for the doorknob and hesitated when a cool breeze burst through the room. A clap of thunder sounded outside and I jumped, startled at the sound. The storm was really picking up and I knew the sooner I found Molly, the sooner we could settle down for the night. All right then, I said, my voice shaking a bit. I I'm coming in there. With that, I opened the closet door, closing my eyes tight reflexively at first nothing happened, I looked inside and saw nothing but things hanging and stacked in various corners. The closet was quite large, and even with it filled up with our things, I was able to step fully inside and have room to turn around and move about. 
Okay, time to come out. I found your spot. My voice quivered and sweat began to beat on my forehead. The light in the closet flickered and my throat tightened so violently from fear that I coughed. <coughs> my breath stopped abruptly for a couple seconds. When I was finally able to inhale after what seemed like forever, I felt the temperature drop suddenly. The room, once just a bedroom, felt oppressive, like a predator had entered. Growing up on a farm, you learn pretty fast that the atmosphere changes around your livestock when a coyote or a fox makes its way into your barn or your hen house. The bustling of the animals stops, and a sense of foreboding seems to leak into the very air. Standing in the closet, the light on but flickering, the cold wrapping around me like an icy fist, I knew that whatever was haunting the house that had been dormant for nearly a month was back. I started to run for the door, but the thought of my sister hiding, oblivious to what was happening, stopped me. I forced myself to move in the direction I thought the giggle sounded from and shouted, The game's over, Molly! Come on right now or I'm telling Mama! I started to pull coats from their hangers, tossing them haphazardly behind me. The light flickered again and I could hear a creaking sound as if someone was walking across the bedroom floor. I looked out the closet door and could see no one in the room and this prompted me to move quicker. Molly, get your hind in out here right now! I was shouting and crying simultaneously, fear and anger making my words sound strained. Just as I was about to shout again, I saw what looked like an old quilt tossed over the vague shape of a small person. Relief flooded me as I reached forward. A contorted giggle came from the direction of the mass in front of me. I stopped. No, not a giggle. A whining growling was coming from under the blanket. I took a step back, my head practically spinning as I fought to process what I was both seeing and hearing. As I stared, my eyes wide in horror, I saw the pile jerk spasmodically as if being pulled by some invisible string. I felt dizzy and my entire body began to tremble. This was not a sound my sister would or could make. I had to get out of there. As I turned a bolt from the closet, the door slammed firmly shut just inches from my face. The light in the closet continued to flicker more, the single light bulb pulsing and leaving more periods of darkness than light. I reached for where I thought the doorknob should be, and after a few seconds gripped it tightly and turned, but it wouldn't open. I was in a full panic now and began banging and kicking against the door with the might, the, all the might that my tiny body could muster. This is when the scratching sounds came from the corner where the growling mass was positioned. My heart was beating so fast now that my breath was coming in great gasps. And if I had not been in a dark room, I imagine my vision had begun to tunnel. I screamed for my mama, for Molly, and threw my body repeatedly into the door. I heard the growl again, and then the slithering sound of fabric moving across carpet. I stopped my assault on the door, wanting to know where the thing in the closet was in relation to me. I heard the rustling sound again. I heard the rustling sound again and realized it was making slow progress from the corner. I heard the shifting of the clothes hangers and felt the air change and began retching from the bile that was filling in my throat. Terror was wreaking havoc on my body, and I felt as if I might lift from it at any moment. 
I turned and began banging on the door and screaming as loudly as I could. And this is when the light flickered and stayed out. I screamed with a force I didn't know I possessed and threw myself into the door over and over, hoping the sheer number of times I did would compromise the old lock. The rustling sound was closer now, and it felt as if a thousand tiny insects were suddenly walking across every inch of my skin as I waited in the darkness for this thing to reach out and hurt me, or worse, take me away to some unknown place where all the dark things in the world hovered together in malice. I thought of Mamma and thought, bully, for one second and wanted to be angry, but my fear was too real, was too all-consuming for me to consider the words I had believed until this moment. As I tossed myself into the door once more, I felt something in my shoulder shift and a sharp shooting pain ripped through the left elbow and my forearm. I screamed in pain and in fear and I heard the low growling sound just inches away now as if echoing a reply. Why me? Why this place? Why now? I want my mommy. I want my mamma. My voice was gone now, having also given out in the struggle. I leaned against the door frame, being completely still so that I would be harder to find in the dark. I pulled my knees in towards my chest, closing my eyes and pressing my lips tightly together so that my cries would not give me away. In the darkness, I felt the shift in the air around me as a sliding, rustling sound stopped. And as I sat there, hoping against all hope that it would all stop, that this was a dream, that I was having a nightmare and I would soon wake up from it, I felt the coldest hand reach out and scratch across the top of my knee. The world grew dark then and I felt myself slipping into it. The world was falling away, and my last thought was, Molly. When I opened my eyes, I was in Mama's bed. She was standing over me, a look of concern deeply etched on her face. I could hear the storm outside, and I stretched, unsure of how I'd gotten there when everything rushed to me and I immediately pushed down the covers, my eyes widening with terror as I attempted to jump from the bed. Mom reacted quickly and sat beside me, pulling me into her. Shh, Tina, you're scared to death. Shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's okay. Everything's okay, honey. Sobs racked me, and I cried into her shirt. Mama, something, something was in the closet. The door wouldn't open. Something t t touched me. Molly, I shouted. Where's Molly? We were playing hide-and-seek, and then I thought I heard her in the closet. But... But it wasn't her. Here, I looked and I saw my sister standing meekly in the doorway, her face contorted in fear. Relief washed over me and I allowed myself to be held in the bed. She's fine, Teeny. She found you in the closet and ran to get me, said you was sleeping, but I, I think you passed out. My body was shaken now, the fear and adrenaline flooding my nervous system and leaving me in shambles. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. That was all I could mutter. That would have scared any of us, honey. I hate being in small spaces and with that door jamming up the way it did. Dang it! Oh, Why well, I can't say I'd be feeling much better. It would have scared me plumb to death. Something touched me in there. Hand. Something growled and laughed. 
Mom continued to rock me back and forth, all the while saying, That dang light bulb chose a heck of a time to give out. Teeny, there wasn't anything in there besides the blanket you were hiding under. I allowed Mama to continue rocking me, and I didn't make a sound as Molly curled up behind me and hugged me tight. I was so tired. My entire body hurt. My Mama was insisting we go to the clinic the next day to and my elbow looked at since it was bruised so deeply. She continued to talk and make plans to fix the closet door and replace the light bulb once Daddy got home, and all the while I remained quiet. What could I say to convince her I had not been alone in the closet? That something had reached out and touched me with what felt like death itself felt a shiver run the entirety of my body as I thought of the blanket on top of me. The blanket that had covered that small shape. The blanket that made it across the room that I heard rustling for what felt like hours but was probably only minutes or seconds. The blanket that had housed a hand that could not and should not be was back. This house, no matter how long we live here, would never be a home to me. Well, hello there, creeps. This was a difficult episode for me to get through. But if I'm being honest, most of them are. (laughs) To this day, I never leave a closet door open in a room I'm staying in. And if you're inviting me over and ask me to stay in a guest room with a wonky closet door, let's just say I've got a very healthy Booking.com account. We're getting close to the end of season two. Only three more episodes. So I hope you're ready for what comes next. I'll let you know if I am. If you enjoy the show, please remember to like and most importantly subscribe as that helps the podcast grow. I'm a one-woman show, so any support, likes, shares, and reviews, they make my heart little go pitter-patter. It would also mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod. You can also find This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. Until we meet again, keep it creepy, and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night. Thank you.